It's 2022, which means it's a renewal year and you need CEUs. 30 if you're in South Carolina, and three of those have to be on ethics, jurisprudence, and whatever else goes in that category. Look, the year's going by fast, and you can knock out all those requirements with a MedBridge subscription, and you can get 40% off with the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD. I have a friend named Shelly, and she's a little lazy. Her words, not mine. She hasn't done any Con Ed over the past year and a half until she got her subscription set up. And what she does is she just puts modules on her phone while she watches 90 Day Fiance. Great show, by the way. Is she learning anything? No. But is she getting the local governing bodies off her bat? Yes. Your subscription also includes NSCA credits, OCS certification prep courses, patient education, home exercise programs, EMR integration. There's tons and tons of resources. Again, use the discount code BETTERFASTERPOD to get 40% off your individual subscription. That's the best price that MedBridge offers, okay? Only the best for our listeners. Now enjoy the episode. Happy Monday, everybody. Today's topic is all about stretching, and this one came about by one of our listeners, so we appreciate that. We appreciate the material. And specifically, we're talking about static versus dynamic stretching. Now, what does stretching do? Does stretching actually change tissue length, and when and how to incorporate it? We also talk a little bit about the dynamic warm-up, as well as what some of the literature says about the topic. Now, before we dive into the episode, don't forget to keep those five-star iTunes reviews coming. We're closing in on 100. Also, this weekend is strength and conditioning in the clinic in Casey, South Carolina. Look, if you didn't get sufficient education on things like exercise prescription, assessment, energy systems training in PT school, that's okay. I didn't either. Look, maybe you're a PT student, maybe you're a coach, maybe you're not either one. This course is open to the public. Either way, you need to be able to speak the same language as the people that are coming to see you. So the link for registration is in the show notes and student and military discounts are available. Enjoy the episode. Happy Monday, Better Faster Podcast listeners. Today's topic is all about stretching, and this one came about by one of our listeners, Dr. Eric Uvigis. And I know I pronounced that name right because I just sent him a DM asking him how to say his name. But um, man, before we get into this, Josh, you, you had a bachelor party. How was your weekend? Man, I'm hurting. I'm hurting, Brandon. Um, I was about to I, say, you sure you're up for this? We we'll probably I, need to do an episode about how to cure a hangover. I know, man. That's a whole. That's a whole episode in itself. Oh no, it was a, it was a great weekend, man. Um, you know, getting my my bridal party together. Um, and you know, coming down from all around, went to Nashville. Um, had a great time. Um, hadn't felt this bad in a long time, and don't plan on uh, feeling this bad, <laughs> feeling this yeah. bad again for a while. So, um, it was good. It was it was an awesome time. Um. I'm excited to be back and get back to some normalcy too by the end of the weekend. It had been a long, it had been a long weekend. I hear you, man. Man, we are such we are such different points in our lives, man. I spent the whole weekend nesting, putting together a nursery. We got a kid coming <laughs> in seven weeks. But uh, by the way, man, curing a hangover, it's hair of the dog, right? Bloody Marys, oh, yeah. we got him. Mm-hmm. Actually, yep. actually, uh, I, I hear they got the IV bars in Nashville. Did you? Uh, we tried did you it, man. Yeah, it is. It was. Experience. I, I I felt better. Um, pretty soon after, I'm not gonna lie, I did feel better. Um, I had to use the restroom frequently, um, following all that. So, uh, but you know, it was, it was a unique experience, right? You go in and, uh, you, you, you know, pick which one you want. You can add a bunch of things, you know, you can get toward all added to add them to them for like 20 bucks. You know, you can like add it to your IV bag. Like I, there's some crazy stuff, man. They do like appetite suppressants and, and you can get, um, you know, Zofran or, or there's, there's a bunch of things that you can get added to it if you wanted to. 
um, I guess it's like overseen by like a nurse practitioner, I think. Um, but, uh, we just got the, the standard, uh, electrolyte mix, you know, the hangover cure. Um, so it was, it was interesting. Yeah. It was how, much, how much that cost? Um, the basic ones like 50 bucks, I think. And then it all goes up from there based on what you want. Hmm. You know, it takes about a half hour or so for, um, for it to go through it. They, they, they titrate pretty quick. It, 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 it rolls through pretty quick. Yeah. It's, it's probably worth it if it works. Yeah, you know, it was, it was just something we figured might as well try it, right? Everybody was traveling. Yeah, sure. We're trying to jumpstart uh, some recovery into the week. For sure, man. Well, I'm, I'm too old for that stuff now. Sounds like you are, too. <laughs> I know, man. I, I, it's sad. how Like, I'm, I'm almost, like, embarrassed at myself how bad I feel right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyway, uh, static stretching. Yeah. I think we probably should just start by what are we actually doing when we uh, are static, statically stretching? You know, so do you want to tell – can I tell our listeners, are we actually lengthening anything? Well, uh, I, I guess that depends, right? So just kind of following up on the request that Eric gave us in, the, in, his, in his messages, he said that he read a quote saying that nobody ever got flexible by stretching for 30 seconds. And so kind of want to dive, want us to dive into static versus dynamic stretching and just what we kind of think about in general. And, you know, my first thought is 30 seconds, more like 30 minutes. I mean, it takes me back to like the first week exercise physiology class, but Generally, no. Static stretching is probably not going to actually lengthen tissue unless you hold that position for a minimum of 30 minutes. That's what's been shown to, to lay down new sarcomeres. And to be honest with you, again, going back to exercise phys class, I think that was only shown in, in rats. Was that even done in human studies? Um, I, I can't recall, man, but I remember learning more, um, more of that literature being animal models, but I'm not sure. Yeah. So, um, and with that said, so even if you, you did want to actually do that, you did actually want to lengthen that tissue, you wanted to lay down those new sarcomeres, you know, would that tissue even, even be very functional or would it be just kind of like you're moving around like Gumby? So that's a good question. I I think there is a time and a place to do that. And we can maybe talk about that a little bit, but any thoughts on that? Anything you want to add? No, I think, I think you're right. I think when we're doing something for, for 30 seconds, right, we're not actually creating any, any, effective lengthening we're really just affecting our nervous system and our, our ability to tolerate end range positions you know so it's it's just a um you know a short-term transient change there we're not actually lengthening anything now that being said when you look at static stretching protocols most of the literature shows that 30 seconds is about what you need to do right so through mm-hmm. three sets of 30 seconds on something is you know going to be you know just as effective as if you're trying to hold those longer so you know for holding for a minute or two minutes probably not necessary so you know that 30 seconds is kind of the i guess the, the standard for uh, the length of the stretch but um, when you're talking about uh, certain in- instances where that lengthening where you would maybe want to have somebody in that long duration stretch 30 plus minutes uh, might be like something like a contracture or something like that you know they have um, you know like some things like I know with my, my elbow I was exploring things I was like man you know like I wonder if I can you know there's something I can do to, to get this thing straight um, and and mine's a little different than a contracture but um, that could be an instance you know that's something that pops mm-hmm. into my head yeah that's definitely why you would that, that's essentially splinting something right so yep. you don't get a contracture ruin yep. on the performance side of things you'll see this a lot in martial arts so it's very common in, in, in you know, a lot of disciplines you know jujitsu um i mean name pretty much any of them they'll sit in a circle in a split and i'm sorry jujitsu is not a striking sport we're talking about more striking but you know they'll sit in, in a circle in a split for like 30 minutes to an hour and the reason for it is they need to be able to go from kicking someone in the chest to kicking someone in the head. So, you know, that might be a case where you might want to get a little extra length, but um, that that's the first thing that kind of pops up in my head. And I think that just comes down to 
you know, whatever demands that you have in your life or in your sport, you're going to need to figure out ways to get that range of motion. So yeah, stretching could potentially be one way to get there, but I'll be honest with you, man, I don't do a ton of it myself or in the clinic. Um, I do some, but it's definitely not what my practice is built around. Cause I know you probably, you probably already encountered this when you tell people that you're a, you're a physical therapist, that you're going to be a PT. They'll be like, Oh, so you're going to stretch people for a living. You ever gotten that response? Oh yeah. You're going to stretch them and massage them, right? Go rub right. on them and yeah. stretch them. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, man. I think, I think you're, you're right, man. It's not something that I employ a ton with um, any of my clients or athletes either, right? There may be, it may be a component of a larger plan if they really do have range of motion limitations and they have some, something, you know, about what they want to be able to do. And I think that it might, it, it, I think it might fit in their plan. So, you know, um, they could be in there, but oftentimes I'm not going that route first, right? That might be, you know, very much an adjunct to what we're doing. Um, but it's definitely not what, um, you know, my, you know, strategy for people is built around either. Yeah. And I know that there's a very common, seems to be more common thought out there that you definitely don't ever stretch before a workout. Like don't do that because you're going to lose some of your power output or it's going to, you know, downregulate your nervous system and it's going to inhibit and all this kind of stuff too. But man, if you, if you feel something that's tight and you feel better by stretching it, go for it. I mean, there's like, there's maybe a study that showed that elite power lifters, if they stretch, they're going to lose, you know, some of their, you know, peak power, peak performance. But man, most people listen to this podcast, you're, you're not elite. You know, we're talking, I guess we have some people that Sorry. are, you know, because we are good <laughs> friends with uh, Donnie. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, we're talking elite, elite power lifters, right? And I think that the reasons for that is, you know, probably get back to what is old man strength, right? Because those records seem to get broken when people are close to middle age, right? Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and what one of the theories is that that's because you have a little bit of a infiltration of, you know, type three collagen, scar tissue, for lack of better words. It's almost like you're pulling back a slingshot and you let it go. So you're good for one rep. And then maybe if you stretch that, you're not going to be able to, you know, perform as well. But man, for the most of us, it ain't going to affect us one bit. Yeah, man. And you see the same thing with, with foam rolling too, right? They're like, everybody's like, oh man, don't do any of this stuff before it. And for, for one, I'm not saying I'm advocating foam rolling. And also, uh, I rarely think you should live in absolutes. We say that all the time here, man. Like it's never one or the other, right? It's all about mm -hmm. the person in front of you and what they're trying to do. And, and the studies on foam rolling and static stretching that I've read regards to their effect on performance, the decrement that you see in some of those studies it's like immediate like you were rolling around on the ground got up and did a max vertical jump but like two you know some of these studies show that even like as little as two minutes later you know you were returning to the the levels prior to doing that intervention so mm -hmm. it's not a a huge decrement and it's not a long-term decrement so if it is something like you said where you feel better doing it in the warm-up and you want to okay why not right you're not gonna you're not really gonna hurt anything now for me if it's with one of my athletes and they want to do that that's fine i'll build that into their program but then i'm also going to incorporate something that's maybe a little bit more appropriate for a warm-up in my opinion to to really actually get them prepared for the activity and i guess we could you know go over that as well too yeah i mean we did a whole episode a while back on the dynamic warm-up that's right. what you're referring to but yeah generally for the most part because again you know i keep in mind most people they like programming. They like to be told what to do. I know I do myself, right? Like I, I don't like to think about what my workout's going to be when I see it on the paper or my true coach app, I'm going to do it. So, you know, generally I am incorporating some type of general dynamic warm up. We have the workout or the rehab session. And then at the end, that's when we might tack on some stretching, might tack on some firm rolling, whatever soft tissue work that, you know, they like could be body tempering, things like that too. Um, yeah, I guess we could probably get into reasons why, maybe why we would do a dynamic warm up and consider that versus static stretching in the beginning? 
Yeah, man. So for me, when I'm looking at it, um, I think the easiest way to, to talk about it is, you know, the warm up. you actually should get warm, right? We want to be hot, sweaty, move blood, elevate our heart rate, you know, get, you know, move fluid in and out of our joints prior to getting into the activity, right? So a static stretching activity or foam rolling, I guess you could kind of group some of these things together. You know, they are relatively, you know, low intensity. They're not actually really prepping the body to be able to do some of these activities. So for me, when I start a warm-up, I wanted the warm-up's intensity to build over the course of it so that the end of that warm-up and the beginning of your like working sets, whatever you're doing that day, or if you're, you know, it's some kind of competition or some kind of uh, practice, the end of the warm-up, the beginning of that really shouldn't look that much different, right? Because I need to be building into that activity. And so for me, if I'm really trying to prep the body for that activity, one of the, them is some kind of general aerobic warm-up. And then I'm trying to pick, you know, specific exercises that might, you know, help me acquire the range of motion I need that day. But then they're also prepping the nervous system in the way that I want. So that way, when that activity begins, they're actually prepared for it. So an instance where I might put in stretching or classic more, I guess, quote-unquote, mobility work would be um, – for a positional need. So if that day I have somebody that wants that I have doing overhead work, um, press, jerk, handstand work, whatever it is, and they have trouble getting to good in range shoulder flexion, then I might do something in activity that is a little bit more passive in nature, like a stretching or something, um, or a, mobi a classic mobility exercise that you might see uh, to help them get into that range of motion, but then I'm very quickly getting into something more active into that range of motion. That's going to help me prep for the activity, help me keep that range of motion. Um, and oftentimes what I'll do is I'll mix that in to almost like a little bit of a, say a circuit. So um, using a different example, like a um, uh, somebody that lacks some dorsiflexion for a squat, I might have them doing a, you know, 30 second, you know, gas rock stretch. And then I have them immediately going into some goblet squats, you know, um, like, or I'm have them doing like a weight bearing lunge, like having them really reach forward, trying to acquire as much dorsiflexion, that kind of more bent lunging position that people often see that you test um, ankle range of motion. And, and maybe I'm really loading it as much as I can with, you know, while, while they're just doing it from a range of motion standpoint, but then maybe I'm doing a split squat with that big forward knee focus with some load. And then I'm going into a set with the bar and then I repeat. And it's almost like a little bit of a circuit that has something more active, allows them to really prep for the end goal, which is back squatting in that instance. So um, I think for me, the warm up it needs to have a good purpose and it really needs to prep you for the activity. And I don't know if static stretching really does that. So um, again, it, it could be part of it. I never want to say never. It always, it depends, but it's, it's, not my go-to. No, I like that. And I'll say this, man, personally, nothing improves my squat mobility better than just squatting. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you know, yeah, you, you mean you talked about mobility and, and I think that word gets thrown around a lot and, and everyone seems to have their own definition for what that is. But you know, when I refer to mobility, I am just simply talking about pretty much what you said. It's the ability for the joints to get into positions to absorb and adapt to stress. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, you know, broad term, but it makes sense, right? So piggybacking off what you said, you know, you talked about how you do your warm up to, you know, increase tissue temperature, get warm, you prep the CNS for activity. So, you know, maybe want to upregulate for about to do a workout. Um, as a clinician, I like it because it gives my patients a chance to rehearse their general skills, right? So, you know, if we're going to be working on some lunging, we're probably going to incorporate a little bit of a lunge in the workout. And that gives me a chance to get this, you know, like, like on the spot, um, uh, assessment, movement assessment, right? Something yep. that you're not going to get quite the same doing an FMS or an SFMA, even though I like those two. And then 
it's going to prime the mobility that you already have. So even, you know, we talked about static stretching isn't going to you know, lengthen tissue. Dynamic warm-up isn't going to lengthen tissue either, either, but it just allows you to prime the ability that you have going into it. And that's another thing to keep in mind too, is anytime you see some kind of dramatic change in someone's you know, mobility, range of motion, whatever it might be, it's not because you did anything to change the tissue. You know, that takes weeks. You know, that's not going to happen in one day and one session. So, you know, keep that in mind. That's something that takes time. Yep. No, and I think um, I love that you're talking about rehearsing general skills. It's also where I will sneak in work in other planes, especially with my CrossFitters, because mm-hmm. oftentimes I'm hitting, you know, a lot of sagittal work in the actual train, sagittal plane work in the training session itself, especially as I'm getting into periods near competition, right? Like that pre-competition phase or, ta- or actual prepping or tapering that I'm doing where I, where like, you know, leading into say the open for a CrossFit or some other big competition, they're doing a lot of CrossFit specific skills, which which are very sagittal plane in nature. So for me, a lot of times in the warm up, it's another way I can just get more work in different planes because I know if they only have a certain amount of training time and I have to hit their these these key points for their specific sport, I can't, you know, I, I really can't afford sometimes to put a ton of other type of work in there, um, you know, just depending on what I'm trying to accomplish for that particular session. But I can sneak it into a little bit more of the warm up and maybe some type of more like accessory piece that, you know, after they've done some of their more general crossfit specific work. So it's a way I can get, you know, rotational med ball throws, I can get, you know, slams, I can get lateral work, you know, you know, banded walks, caustic squats, whatever, you know, working more of the frontal plane. Like you can do a bunch of different and stuff like that too to sneak it in there um and then you know to them it's like you know they're they're doing a warm-up anyway and if i structure it correctly it's not only going to help them um you know get prepared for the activity they're going to do but it, it gets them training in different ways which i think is so important yeah and i think that's a that's a really important point too because most of the workouts that we do are all sagittal plane all front to back up and down too so that is a really good way to sneak in that that frontal and and transverse stuff as well too, um, without taking up too much of the time, because we all know that there's an inverse relationship between the amount of work you give someone and the amount they'll actually do. Mm-hmm. And again, in the clinic, you know, we're talking, we're talking about patients for the most part, for the most part, I guess there, there's a lot of exceptions to that too. Most of my CrossFitters are actually going to do exactly what I say, but you know, I, everybody's different, I guess. Yeah. I need, I, need, I need to uh, reel that one back a little bit. <laughs> no, so I mean, I, I think that that's a good overview of kind of like if you're going to include static stretching, you want to include static stretching because it feels good, have at it, right? You know, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to hurt anything, right? Unless you're doing some kind of crazy protocol that, you know, is something different than what we've already talked about. Um, so if it makes you feel better, if you anecdotally think that it does help with some, you know, controlling delayed onset muscle soreness, that's some reason some people like to stretch is because they, they quote unquote feel less sore. Like, you know, if that, if you think that helps you, then, then do a little bit. It's not going to hurt anything, right? Um, but I think from a, a, PT and, and coach perspective, we really need to understand what's actually going on, and we need to be able to incorporate things that that patients be, or, or clients believe are helping them. That's an important aspect of it. But we also want to know how to use these other tools to really make sure that they're ready for whatever activity they're doing, or they're really going to make you know true progress there. So I think it's about finding a balance. Uh, I think we talked about kind of what that balance could look like. Um, so we're definitely not going to hate on static stretching. I think people, that's the cool thing to do is to hate on things. And that's one of those things that people love to hate on right now. Um, but there might be some better options. So it's always good to, to have a bunch of tools in your toolbox. Oh, for sure, man. And I'm, I'm couch stretching right now, man, as we're doing this podcast. So I'm 
it's always got it's always got a place man yep awesome right. well, well um again one last shout out next weekend is the uh the course kyle and i are talk, are, are t- uh, teaching at vertex strength conditioning in the clinic um th- it's one of those things too if you want to bet you know learn more about some of these principles and really a clinical ad, uh, application for them. Uh, it, it's going to be a great course, man. Um, we're putting the finishing touches on it right now. Just, um, you know, mainly it's all kind of, uh, you know, making it look good, making the slides look good, that kind of thing. Um, but the content's going to be great, man. I'm so pumped for mm-hmm. it. So there are a couple spots left. We can have, a, we can take a couple more. Um, so if anybody wants to sign up uh, last minute, we're not going to shut down registration, um, you know, before the clinic and sign up when, you know, this week and we'd love to have you. Um, so definitely check that one out. If you want more information, shoot me a message. Um, and as always, um, if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate and review the podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, thank you again for the, you know, we got a listener question today. So if you want to hey, you have a topic you want us to talk about, send us the topic. We love talking about what you guys want to hear about. So um, thank you again. And we will catch you all next Monday. This episode is brought to you by Vertex PT Specialist. One patient per doctor of physical therapy per hour. Guaranteed. The best physical therapy ever. Check us out at vertexpt.com or on the gram at vertexpt.